The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, December 1st, 2019, on the basis of Isaiah 2, verses 1 through 5. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. This past Thanksgiving holiday, I did something that I don't normally do. In fact, I did something that I usually try to avoid at any and all costs. On Friday, I went shopping. (laughs) Specifically, there were two stores that I just needed to get to, and much to my very pleasant surprise, neither one of them was at all busy. In fact, both were emptier than I had ever seen them before. And I know that probably wasn't the case Everywhere, I'm guessing that stores like Target and Walmart are still hopping on Good Friday. And yet, I think that this phenomenon of Black Friday frenzy is at least somewhat starting to die down. And that's not at all surprising when you consider the way in which many of us do our shopping these days. I mean, why in the world would someone want to go out and brave the elements and fight traffic and fight crowds when right from the comfort and convenience of your own home, sitting on your couch with your feet up, still wearing your pajamas with that waistband that's extra stretchy to make room for all of the food that you ate the day before, you can sit there and you can find on a website like Amazon.com everything that you would ever want. Many of the same deals that are found in stores, and not only do you not have to go out to purchase those things, you don't even have to go out to pick them up. Two days later, they just magically show up at your doorstep. The way in which we go about getting presents at Christmas certainly has undergone some change. And yet, of course, the presents themselves remain a very predictable part of Christmas, don't they? In fact, I think the giving and receiving of presents is a part of just about every holiday that is celebrated this time of year, regardless of what specific religion it's tied to or whether it's tied to any religion at all. And yet there's something else that's very predictable about this season of giving, as it's sometimes called. As quickly as that season comes to an end, whatever blessing, whatever benefit, whatever improvement those gifts brought to our life very predictably, comes to just as quick and abrupt of an end. Just as an example, we don't spend our entire year buying and receiving as many presents as we do around Christmas, right? For the rest of the year, for the other 9 or 10 or 11 months out of the year, we have to be much more careful with how we spend our money. We have to watch our dollars and cents carefully. We actually have to see something sitting there on the shelf, and if we can't afford it, we have to leave it sitting there. Add to that the fact that... In a lot of cases, and a lot of times, the presents that we get at Christmas quickly fade. They wear out. They break. We grow out of them. We grow tired of them. This season of presents sure is fun while it lasts, but very often it quickly and very predictably goes away. That's the first big reason why God wants us this year to have an unpredictable Christmas. See, God, too, has has presents for us. He has gifts that he wants to give us at Christmas. But for starters, God's gifts are greater than anything we could possibly find 
at a store or online. Second of all, these gifts, these presents that he gives to us are not just to be enjoyed one day or one season out of the year, but really they're to be enjoyed all year round. And maybe the best news of all, all of these gifts that God wants to give us at Christmas can be found in just one place. And God doesn't leave us to try and figure out what that one place is on our own. He tells us exactly where to find them. As we look at these verses from Isaiah today, that's the first big way we're going to see how God gives us an unpredictable Christmas. Through the prophet Isaiah, he delivers this unpredictably great news. There's a place, one place that has everything you want for Christmas. Let me start out by pointing out how appropriate it is that we hear this message from the person that we are hearing it from, namely from Isaiah. As I mentioned in our day, it's a website like Amazon, for example, that has everything we could ever want or everything that we could possibly need. And yet as God talks to us about the gifts that he wants to bring us at Christmas, they come through the words of the prophet Isaiah, who, as these verses told us, was the son of Amos. He's Amos' son. Amos' son. I'm getting a lot of strange looks. See, you just have to realize there are certain things that pastors find really, really funny (laughs) that no one else in the world does, and that's one of them. I see my family in the back kind of giving me strange looks and rolling their eyes. We're going to hear about these gifts from Isaiah, the son of Amos. And what he tells us is that there is this mountain that God is going to establish higher than all the mountains in the world, higher than Everest even. And on the top of that mountain sits a temple. Normally when we think of a temple, we maybe think of a building. We think of a a place that is made out of wood and stone. But even more than that, when we hear that word temple, we should think of a dwelling. We should think of the place where God lives. God comes to live among us. You see, even before we can begin to think about the presence that God offers us at Christmas, we need to think about the presence he has among us. God chooses to live. He chooses to dwell among us. And when you think about it, that's a much greater gift. I mean, just think about it. Which is a better and more important thing for a kid to have at Christmas? All of those gifts that are sitting under the tree that just happen to be there this year that he's going to use for a while, and then again, they'll probably break or fade away. Or is it more important for him to have the people? to have the moms and the dads, the grandmas and the grandpas, the aunts and the uncles who love him enough to give him those presents each and every year and who love him day in and day out. So yes, God has presents that he wants to give us at Christmas, and we'll get to those, but before we do, maybe the greatest gift is God's presence among us. And not only does God come and make himself present among us, but he does so in a way that draws us to him in faith rather than driving us away in fear. Any Israelite reading Isaiah's words would have quickly remembered another time when God chose to make his dwelling place on the top of a mountain. You might remember that that mountain was called Mount Sinai in the Bible. Incidentally, it was also known as Mount Horeb. And when God made his dwelling on that mountain, do you know the reaction that everyone had? They were scared to death to go anywhere near it. Even Moses, whose job it was to go up to the top of that mountain and talk to God, was terrified at the thought of doing so. When a holy God, in all of his glory, in all of his majesty, makes his dwelling among us, sinful human beings have no choice but to run away in fear. And yet notice what happens 
with this mountain. Isaiah says, all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the temple of the God of Jacob. There's one word in particular that Isaiah mentions that indicates just what a miracle this is, that people are actually flocking to this mountain with God's temple on the top. Isaiah says that people will stream to it. In other words, people will flow to this mountain. People will flow as if they were water to God's temple, which is located at the top of the mountain. I don't know about you, but last time I checked, there's only one direction that water normally flows on a mountain, right? It flows down, but this water is flowing up. People are streaming to the mountain of God. Rather than running away in fear, they are drawn to God's dwelling in faith. How in the world is that possible? Well, it's only because this God that we have, of all holiness, power, and majesty, and glory, he comes to us. When he makes his dwelling among us, he does so in complete weakness, humility, and gentleness. It's because of exactly the thing that we heard about in today's gospel, that yes, we have this king, this powerful, mighty king, who does in fact come to us, but he comes to us gently. He comes to us exactly how we need him to come to us. He comes to us in the one and only way that makes us unafraid to come to him. So yes, God has presence for us. But first and foremost, this mountain, this place that has everything that we want for Christmas is is a place of God's presence. It is a place where God makes his dwelling among us. And yes, that also means that it is a place where God offers us presence where the best of all givers gives us the best of all of his gifts. In fact, Isaiah sees two of them in these verses. He says, The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. So the first present we find in this place where God dwells is justice. But not just any kind of justice, God's unique brand of justice, the kind of justice that only a God who is perfectly holy on the one hand, but also perfectly loving on the other hand, can possibly offer to us. A kind of justice where God in no way, shape, or form lowers his expectations for us as human beings, and yet somehow offers no condemnation for those same human beings who constantly fail to live up to his expectations. The kind of justice where a God in no way, shape, or form lowers his standards and yet still somehow finds a way for each and every one of those standards to be kept. If it were up to us, we'd kind of have to pick between one or the other, right? Either God could lower his expectations and just let everyone off the hook for all the terrible, evil things that they do. In that case, God wouldn't be very holy, would he? On the other hand, God could stick to his guns He could keep his expectations the same, and then he could give everyone the punishment that they deserve for their sins. But in that case, God certainly wouldn't seem very loving. He certainly wouldn't be the kind of God that we would want to run to in faith. God figures out a way to do both. How? He does so in Christ. In Christ Jesus, every last sin is paid for, and every last sinner is forgiven. In Christ, the one person who is innocent is treated as guilty so that those who are guilty can be treated as innocent 
and set free. That first present that we find in God's presence is this wonderful gift of justice. There's another gift that comes along with it. Isaiah says, They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. So along with this first gift of justice comes a second gift of peace. And the two of them very much go hand in hand. I don't think we realize it all the time. But at the heart of every single conflict that exists between human beings, there is an unresolved conflict between at least one of those human beings and God. In fact, the very first conflict that existed between human beings started out just that way. Remember the story of Cain and Abel, those two brothers that the book of Genesis talks about? Two brothers, Cain we're told, grew crops out of the soil. Abel, on the other hand, tended flocks. One day, both of them gave an offering to God. God was pleased with Abel's. God was not pleased with Cain's. And so what happened because of the conflict that existed between God and Cain? As a result, there was conflict between Cain and his brother Abel. In fact, it is very likely, maybe even probable, that in murdering his brother Abel, Cain took one of the tools that he used to grow crops out of the ground, and he used that to kill his brother. In other words, Cain, you might say, took a plowshare, and he turned it into a sword. It's no wonder, then, that as a result of this gift of justice, as a result of God bringing our conflict with him to a complete end, that the exact reverse happens. That God says, take your swords and beat them into plowshares. You won't need them anymore. Along with this wonderful gift of justice comes the equally wonderful gift of peace. Those are the two gifts that God offers us in these verses. I will tell you, I looked very carefully for any others. I even tried to read between the lines and maybe see things that weren't really there, but I can tell you I didn't see anything about flat screen TVs. I didn't see anything about diamond earrings. I didn't see anything about Lexuses sitting in the driveway with ribbons on top. And yet, and yet, I can confidently say that these gifts that God offers you are really all you really want for Christmas. Justice, conflict with God completely taken care of, a a status before God that is completely settled, and an eternity with God that is absolutely secure. And then peace, Absolutely no reason for there ever to be conflict with another human being. No, no reason to ever pretend that you're someone that you're not. No reason to try and prove yourself to others. No reason to hold a grudge or seek revenge. God gives us these wonderful gifts. This place, this mountain, this temple has everything that we could ever want for Christmas. Sounds like quite the place, doesn't it? This mountain, this temple. Kind of leads us to ask the question, where is it? Where do we find it and how do we stream to it? How do we flock to it? How do we run to it the way that Isaiah describes? There's one little phrase Isaiah uses in these verses that gives us the answer. He hears the message that God will establish this mountain and establish this temple in the last days. That's maybe the best news of all in these verses. It's found right in that one little phrase, in the last days. And it's because those last days, 
when God will make his presence among us and when he will deliver to us all of his best presence, those last days are these days. Those last days are our days. They are today. Back in Isaiah's day, God very much confined his dwelling, his presence to very specific places. On the top of Mount Sinai, for example, or in Solomon's temple in Jerusalem. Centuries later, God would again confine his dwelling among mankind to one specific place. His dwelling, his temple, would be the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. But in these days, in the last days, in our days, God's dwelling, God's presence among mankind is wherever and whenever God's people gather together in Jesus' name. What that means, friends, is that these wonderful presents that God promises you in these verses, these are presents that are yours, not just one day out of the year, not just for one season out of the year, but all year round. It also means that these presents of peace and justice are yours right now, not someday far off in the future. You know, it's not just Christians who are in favor of things like peace and justice It's not just Christians who think that our world could use a lot more of things like justice and peace. But in most people's minds, those are things that do not exist on earth quite yet. Things that maybe we can have in the future. Things that if we just put our minds together and all work together hard enough, then maybe one day we can achieve. In fact, in New York City, there's a very famous statue that is actually based on words found in these verses. Here's the statue. Do you see what he's doing? He's taking a sword and he's beating it into a plowshare. Do you know where that statue is found? It's found in a garden that is located right across the street from the United Nations building, where day in and day out, people from all over the world are working as hard as they possibly can to achieve peace. Now, I would love as much as the next guy if all of those diplomats and all of that diplomacy that goes on in our world would one day lead to worldwide peace. At the same time, I'm not holding my breath. This past year, our nation spent $700 billion on its military, and I don't know about you, but I'm not expecting that number to go down. Even if it did, even if peace suddenly broke out on earth, that's not the peace Isaiah is talking about, not some future peace that maybe one day will exist, but a peace and a justice that you and I have right now, a status with God that is already settled and the absence of any reason for conflict to exist between people who are right with God. This place has everything that we want for Christmas, and it doesn't just have God's presence. It's not just that God then offers us the greatest presence, but he offers them to us in the present. They are here for us right here, right now. This mountain that Isaiah describes is ours for the climbing, wherever, whenever we want. In fact, here we are. We've done it again today. You look around this room, and I know what it looks like. It looks like a storefront in a strip mall in a small town in Wisconsin. It's not. It's the summit of the mountain that Isaiah is describing in these verses. Here we are again today, and in just a few minutes, minutes, we'll have the blessing of one more climber 
joining our group. One more heart that God has made his dwelling in and delivered his greatest gifts to. But friends, don't be mistaken into thinking that this is the only place where that happens. That also happens each and every time you refuse to let the world around you dictate how you are going to spend each and every minute of your time. It happens every single time you stand up and rebel against the tyranny of our busy schedules and you insist on making time as an individual or as a family to be in God's word in your home. When you do that, I know what it looks like. You look around and it looks like a three-bedroom ranch. Looks like a split level. Looks like a condo or an apartment. It's not. It's the summit of the mountain that Isaiah is describing. It's God's temple. Those are the gifts that God wants to give us. This place where God dwells, where Christians gather around his word, has everything that we could ever want for Christmas. And friends, if that's the case, then the advice that Isaiah gives us in closing makes perfect sense. I mean, for crying out loud. If people are willing to brave the elements and fight traffic and fight crowds and even push and shove one another, for what? For a Black Friday doorbuster deal? Then when God opens the doors of his dwelling place and inside we find gifts beyond our wildest dreams, gifts we could have never predicted, but gifts that God freely offers us. What else would we do than what Isaiah tells us to do? Come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Come, children of God, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen.